I will be honest with you, uh, I am neither a camper nor a glamper, if I'm real. Yeah, I don't know what the third option would be. Uh, When I was, uh, man, this is late college, I went camping with some friends. There was a cute girl in the group that was going camping named Christina, my wife now, that motivated me to go camping. We go out, you know, you set up, do the tent. We got there late, and so like I think the Things were closed, it was dark, and you're trying to figure all this out. It starts to rain, and I was like, I'm gonna leave all of y'all in the tents. I'm gonna go sleep in the car. What I didn't pay attention to was that there was something that had gasoline in the car, like some sort of gas tank that we needed that was in the car. So I'm sleeping in there, and there's all these fumes, and it just was a bad experience. So I'm not a camper, nor a glamper, keeping it a buck this morning. Uh, I'm glad that you guys are campers and love, love, love the campers. So there we go. We are in a year-long focus as a church on what? Okay, I'm going to try it again. We are in a year-long focus as a church on what? Right, that's always a focus of the people of God. We always want to be growing in our relationship with God. But as we came into 2022, one of the things that we, as we took time to pray, that we sensed God was calling us to in a fresh way, was that the Lord wanted to meet with us individually and as a community in fresh ways this year. So we began the year saying, okay, as we get started in this journey, as we're pursuing Jesus and this invitation to drink deep of him, we wanted to start with the home. We want to start where we live. We want to start with our hearts. And so we began the year focusing on enjoying a daily quiet time and a weekly Sabbath. As the year progressed, we wanted to build on those foundations, not move away from them, but build on them. And we believe that the Lord was calling us to encounter him in fresh ways, not just personally, but as the church. And so over the middle part of the year, we leaned in together into the scriptures. And at Easter, we began studying through the gospel of John. Today, we're in John 16. We've been going through that on Sundays. We have a reading plan to help everyone meet with the Lord together as the church in the scripture. And we've been leaning into relationships. We've been leaning into community. I love what Matt Fisher said last week is that we so often discover who we are in the Lord in context of relationships with other believers as the church. And Skylar and Tess, I love you guys uh, sharing your story, but more than the story that you shared, I love who you are. And we're so thankful that you uh, have been a faithful part of our church, of this church community, of loving people, of showing up good times and in bad. Both of y'all have a purity of heart that marks people when they meet you. Thank you for blessing us with who you are. We love you, and I love you guys sharing that. It's exciting to hear about your life group, too. Love hearing answers to prayer. Uh, We want to build on those two things of encountering Jesus in the home and encountering Jesus in the church in this last kind of three months or so of the year. And we're going to focus on encountering Jesus in the city. We believe the Lord wants to meet with us in our homes. Amen? We believe the Lord wants to meet with us in the church. Amen? And We believe that God has fresh encounters for you and for me in the everyday places that we live. Places that we might not always think, oh, this is a place where Jesus is at work. I want you to know Jesus is at work in our city. 
Jesus is at work in our city. And there are fresh encounters that the Lord has for us as a people this fall. And last week, Joe focused us in on, well, how are we doing that? It's a cool idea. How are we actually going to do that? And we are going to invest in intercession together. Intercession is a way of saying we're going to pray for others together. And we believe that as we invest in intercession through October all the way to Thanksgiving, that we're going to encounter the Lord in fresh ways as we pray in the community around us, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, at our schools, our gyms, the places that we live everyday life. So Joe did an awesome job last week talking about that God has appointed you and me from John 15 to bear much fruit. And that investing in intercession is one of the ways that we begin to walk in that. Today, we're gonna continue focusing on that in John chapter 16. So if you would turn in your Bibles to John 16, that is where we are going to be. John chapter 16. Now, as a review, John has 21 chapters. We began in chapter one uh, there at Easter. We've been progressing through it late spring, into the summer. Now we're into the fall. We're in John chapter 16. John 1 through 12 happens over the course of, scholars believe, around three years. John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 happen in a 24-hour period. So the movie, as John tells the story of Jesus' life, slows down to focus in on this important 24-hour period. Jewish culture Day begins in the evening. Our culture, day begins with sunrise. Their culture, day begins with sunset. So the big day in Jesus' life begins in the evening with the Passover meal that he shares with his disciples. He washes their feet, that's John 13. And then in John 14, 15, and 16, we get Jesus pouring out his heart to the disciples. Some have called this the holy of holies of the scripture where we get Jesus sharing the most important things on his heart to his disciples just before he goes to the cross. In John 17, we get what's called Jesus' high priestly prayer, which is an entire chapter of Jesus praying to the Father before he goes to the cross. Incredible. We are on holy ground as we go through the word. He's preparing his disciples. He's speaking into their lives and he's given them great and precious promises all throughout the gospel of John. And those promises are in view as we head into uh, what we're looking at today. Jesus gave them promises and Jesus has given you and me, has given us great and precious promises. It's important that we know these One, Jesus gave them the promise that they would know him, that Jesus came, God with skin on, came to live and walk among us, that you and I, that they disciples of old and we disciples here in 2022, that we might know Jesus, as Joe said, and the power of his resurrection, that we might know the surpassing riches of knowing Christ our Lord. That is a great and precious promise, church. That's one you want to write down and remember and not overlook that you and I have the promise on our lives that we get to know Jesus and enjoy him. And that is good news. That was John 1. 
John 3, and he reiterates it in John 17. He's given them the promise and gives us the promise of eternal, abundant life. When Jesus talks about abundant life, it's different than you, or eternal life, it's different than how you and I talk about it. When we say eternal, we only think that means duration. When they, okay, you believe in Jesus, when you die, you go to heaven, and you're there with the Lord forever. And that is true. But when Jesus talks about eternal life, there's another dimension. It's not just a long period of time. It is a quality of life found in God. It is an abundant life that's found in God that we, through Jesus, get to experience with him now in this age and fully in the age to come forever and ever. That's a promise to these disciples. And that's a promise to you and me, a great and precious promise We can be encouraged. I'm encouraged this morning. I'm fired up if you can't tell. This just got me so excited. John chapter six, Jesus promises spiritual satisfaction. He says, whoever is hungry, whoever is thirsty, come to me and feast. I will be the bread of life that you need. I will be the water of life that satiates your soul. You can come to me and never hunger and never thirst again. And the testimony of the church for 2,000 years has been that Jesus is faithful to this promise, that Jesus satisfies our souls like nothing can. And I want to ask you for just a moment, because I want to hear the testimony of our church, not just the saints through history, but I want to hear your testimony. When we say this, this is true. This is real. This is meaningful. So I'm going to say, and I want you, if you have experienced Jesus to be that spiritual satisfier that you have been looking for, that's part of your testimony. I want you to say amen. 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 Jesus sent the disciples of old and he has sent us to go and to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. So just like Jesus came proclaiming Jesus' rule and his reign, that Jesus is on the throne and under his leadership Things are being healed, set right, restored, and made new. He sends out his disciples of old, and he sends out you and me to proclaim the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. You and I have a purpose that's bigger than our own individual lives, but we are a part of God's kingdom purposes, the rule and reign of Jesus. And Jesus sent us, John 15, he's promised the disciples, and he's promised us to bear much fruit. Those, my friends, are great and precious promises over the lives of the disciples of old and over our lives today. I don't know what's been spoken over your life this week. I don't know what other people have said to you. I don't know what your own thoughts and emotions have said to you. I don't know what temptations have befallen you, but I am here today to remind you of the words that Jesus Christ is speaking over your life, the promises over your life is that you would live a life marked by knowing God, that you have a promise over your life for abundant, eternal life in this age and the age to come. If you're in Christ, Jesus has spoken over your life that there is spiritual satisfaction that he has for you. Jesus has said that you and I have a purpose, that we're sent to proclaim the kingdom of God everywhere we go, and that we have a promise to bear much fruit. 
These are words to hold on to. These are words to cherish. These are words to let bear down in our souls. And these are the promises that he gave to the disciples and promises that he gives to us today. A number of years ago, I got to take Christina on a trip to Mexico. We went to Cancun to one of those resorts there. It was awesome. A friend said, you got to go to this one. This was probably 10 years ago. Do you think 10 years ago or so? 10 years ago, uh, her parents and my parents watched our kids. We only had two of them at that time. Four is a little more complicated. They watched two of them. And we go and we're at this resort and they say, hey, if you come to this special presentation of a couple hours, then we will give you free spa credits there at the resort. Now, I'm neither a camper nor a glamper. I'm not a spa man. My wife, though, enjoys the spa. Male or female, do we have any spa fans in the, in the congregation? Okay, we got a few, right? Some of you started laughing when I told you the beginning of this story because you knew what was coming. This presentation was for something called timeshare. Anybody know what a timeshare is? Right, so we go to the timeshare. Now, I was prepared about this. I had read the Dave Ramsey article on timeshares where he said, avoid at all costs. So I was like, okay, Dave, I don't know a ton about money, but I will take your baby steps. I will avoid this timeshare. So we go to the thing, and and Christina and I were like, hey, we're going here so we can get the spa credit, so you can go to the spa, but we are not signing up for the timeshare. We are not locking ourselves into this. We were prepared ahead of time. But we sit down, the salesman was very good. He goes on and on and he's telling us all about the awesome parts of this timeshare. And I'm there and I'm like gripping the table because I'm like, no, I know there's more to this than what you were saying to me, you know. Christina's like, gosh, you know, this really does sound amazing to have this spot. I'm like, you're, you're right, but no, Dave said don't do it. So I say, oh, no, no, not interested, not interested. So I say, okay, hold on. Before you get your credits, then they bring in the big boss, right? For everyone that's resisted the first round of promises, then they bring in the heavy hitter, which he kind of layers on another layer of paint, trying to paint how awesome the timeshare is. Luckily, we make it out with our vouchers. She enjoys the spa. I felt a sense of accomplishment of not getting sucked in to the timeshare, That's another story. You can talk to me about the pros and cons of timeshares later. I'm just telling you my own experience. The problem was when they're talking to you, they don't tell you the downsides of it, right? They just tell you the upside. They just tell you, hey, this is what's great about it. So you don't really, you're like, I don't know if I should listen to you or not. What I love about Jesus is he doesn't just tell us the upside. He doesn't just tell the disciples, hey, here's everything that is awesome. Jesus keeps it real. And he tells them just as much as he said, hey, here's the high calling. Here are the great and precious promises on your life. He also tells them, following me is going to be a challenge. You are going to go through trials. You're going to go through trials just by nature of living in the world, whether you follow Jesus or not. But following Jesus comes with its own set of trials. Jesus is very real with the disciples. He has told them uh, if this event, this uh, upper room discourse is happening on uh, a Thursday night, Friday, right in there. Uh, he's told them on Tuesday things that they are going to go through. I want to go through those with you because this is what they've been through. This is what the church throughout the generations have been through. And we need to be prepared 
that our lives are not just going to be the upside, but that we too will share in trials as we follow Jesus. Here's troubles that these disciples in the upper room were going to face. War and rumors of war, ethnic conflict, kingdoms battling, famines, earthquakes, persecution, death, hatred, betrayal, apostasy, false prophets, deception, an increase of wickedness that will be so intense that the love of most would grow cold. But wait, there's more. They were going to face the death of Jesus, the loss of their leader, their friend, and their hope. They were gonna have to work through betrayal by Judas. They're gonna have to work through their own personal failure that all of them would deny Jesus. And they were gonna have to work through the delay of God's promises. Jesus wants them to know these things are coming. And Jesus wants you and I to know that our lives as followers of Jesus are going to be marked by trials. That's the background. And so he has taken time in John 14, 15, and on into 16 to prepare them both to inherit the promises, but also on how to navigate the trials, the temptation, temptations and tribulations they would face. Just as a review, the beginning of John 16, so if you open your Bibles, Jesus says, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. Jesus wants his disciples then and now not to fall away, not to be washed away by trial and temptation and tribulation. I don't know about you, but that really encouraged me when I read that this week. That Jesus saying all of these things, not so that we would be overwhelmed, not so that we would not know what to do, but so that you and I, disciples of old and disciples today, that we would not fall away. Jesus wants us to make it. That encouraged me. I hope that encourages you. I'm like, man, that's really good. So what does he remind them of? In John 14, he told them they needed to trust him. They, they were gonna be in situations where it was like, I don't know the outcome. I don't know why. I don't know the answers. How many of you know it doesn't take trust if you understand everything that's going on? But they were gonna be in situations where it was like, I don't know. They were gonna need to trust him, to rely on him, to trust the person of Jesus, his promises and his leadership, even when it didn't make sense to them in the moment. They needed to have an eternal mindset. Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. Jesus told them, you need to keep your eyes set on eternity. Jesus said they needed the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm gonna send you another advocate to be with you and to help you. They needed the Holy Spirit and we need the Holy Spirit. They needed, as Donnie told us a few weeks ago from John 15, to abide in Christ. They were gonna need to stay close to Jesus. They were gonna need to stay rooted in him like branches stay rooted in a vine. They were gonna need the church. He said, hey, y'all, this is gonna be hard. Y'all gonna need to love one another for you to make it through. And he said, as Joe said last week, they were gonna need to invest in intercession. They were gonna need to learn how to pray. 
that for them to live a fruitful life and navigate the trials, temptations, and tribulations, they were going to have to pray. And Jesus was saying, I want to answer your prayers. So this fall, October, and on into Thanksgiving, we're learning how to invest in intercession together as a church. We're taking the words of Jesus seriously. I want you to know them, to be able to say them, to think, okay, I've got that. But I I want even more for us to live them together in our everyday life. So my hope and ambition for me, for our overseer team, for our staff, for our leaders, for the church, the congregation, is that all of us would invest in intercession this fall. And I believe as we do this, that we're gonna encounter Jesus in fresh ways. As Joe said last week, we have some resources up on our website to help us in the area of investing in intercession, a guide as well as a worksheet to work through. Our life group is working it through. We've decided on Mondays, we're praying for the kids in our life group. So we've got a group text where everyone's putting out, here are things that I want to be praying, prayed over my kids. And so tomorrow, our life group, we're gonna be praying over our kids. And I'm so excited about this, right? And I wanna encourage you, let's grow together in investing in intercession. Now, John 16 Verse seven, Jesus says some more things under this banner of investing in intercession that have really encouraged me this week. Hardest part about preaching through the gospel of John is that we could spend years on one verse. There's so much here. And to hone it in to a few words on a Sunday morning, I'm glad we're all reading through the gospel of John. I'm glad to hear our groups have been going through the gospel of John, but there's just so much here and there's no way to condense it all into 30 minutes together on a Sunday. But I want to point out uh, this verse from John 16, verse 7, and on into 8 and 9 that I think are really significant as we begin investing in intercession. John 16, Jesus says, verse 7, But truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Wait, what? Truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away? That seems so counterintuitive for the disciples of like, no, I think it would be good if you stayed right here. This whole thing is about me following you. This is gonna be a lot easier if you are there when I wake up in the morning and I can literally follow you around. And you're saying, actually, it's for your good that I'm going away. Well, why? He says, unless I go away, the advocate, who we already know when he speaks about the advocate, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Incredible statement right there. Like, does anybody, have you ever read that verse before? And you're like, wow, that must mean the Holy Spirit is really good. Like if it's better for Jesus to go away so he could send us the Holy Spirit. And I've thought a lot about this of like, why? Like, why is that? My best answer at this point is that Jesus and his time on earth is contained in human flesh. And so there are a lot of disciples. They couldn't always be with him. But with the Holy Spirit, it's the Spirit of the Lord. He can be with all of us at the same time. That's my best guess, that Jesus wanted to give us the Holy Spirit so the Spirit could be with us always. I'd love to hear your thoughts on why do you think Jesus said it's better for him to go away? But listen what he says next. 
He says, when the Spirit comes, the Spirit will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people don't believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So Jesus is teaching them. He's preparing the church for the trials, temptations, and tribulations. And he's coming back to this repeated theme of, I am sending you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is coming into you. We saw that in John 14. He's going to guide you, to be your advocate, to be your teacher. But here Jesus says, I'm sending the Spirit. And he's not just going to be at work amongst the believers. What does it say in verse 8? It says that the Spirit is going to be at work in the world around us. Take a look at that. Fact check me on that. It's verse eight. When the spirit comes, he will prove the world, meaning he will be active in the world to prove a few things. Jesus says the spirit is going to be at work to prove the world wrong. When Jesus is talking about the world, he's talking about all of humanity, those outside of Christ. So I mean, he's gonna prove them wrong about sin, meaning the Spirit is going to reveal sin to a lost and dying world. The Spirit is going to be at work, awakening people to an awareness of sin. The Spirit is going to be at work in the world around us to awaken people to the reality of the righteousness that's found in Jesus. If sin is what's wrong with the world, righteousness is what's right, it's what's beautiful, what's lovely, what's found in Christ, the Spirit is going to awaken them and the Spirit is going to prove them wrong about judgment. Not that the devil is the one running the world, but that Jesus is the rightful leader of the world, that he's defeated the devil. So the disciples here are being sent out. They're about to go proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And what Jesus is telling them is, hey, as you go, what you're going to find is that the Holy Spirit is already at work in the world around you. Now, this is so important for us. I have a friend in college who is a sales guy, uh, and he's a sales guy now. And in college, what he was notorious for doing was he would sell supplements. And he would come to your house, and he would sit on your couch in your apartment or in your house with your roommates and would not leave until you listened to his sales pitch about whatever he was selling that month. Any of y'all have friends like that? I mean, this guy was a hardcore sales guy. So he was going out and he was going to convince you to buy his, you know, whatever pre-workout supplement that he had that month. He was going to do it. And sometimes we can think about Jesus sending us on mission in that same way, that he's sending us out, that nobody really wants this or needs this. So I'm going to have to be really forceful. And I'm going to have to sit on their couch and I'm going to have to have a great argument. And I'm going to have to show them all the ways why they really should buy the thing that I, as a believer, am selling, right? And we can feel that way. Anybody ever felt that way? Oh, I've got a few honest people in church on a Sunday. So many times we can have a mindset about the world that I've got to convince everybody to buy something 
that they don't really want or need or aren't aware of. And so I need to have some really good arguments. I need to be really persuasive. And I need to be really captivating or else we get so consumed with like, I better not say anything because I won't know the answer to every question they might ask. And so I'll just sit here and hopefully maybe somehow good stuff will happen. What Jesus is saying here though is that it doesn't work like that. He's saying as you go out, what you're actually gonna find is that the Holy Spirit is already at work awakening people to an awareness of sin, awakening people to an awareness of righteousness, awakening people to an awareness of judgment. The Spirit is gonna be at work so that as the disciples go out, it's not they're going out trying to convince people and persuade people who don't really want what they have. What they're gonna find is they're entering into something God is already doing. How many of you know that Jesus wants to save the world more than you want to save the world? How many of you know that Jesus loves your neighbor more than you love your neighbor? You're not going out trying to be like, oh God, would you please do something in my friend's life? Come on, Lord, I want to twist. No, the Lord is like, I want to do something. I want to say, people, would you please just go and love them and open your mouth and you're going to find I'm already at work. Oh man, I have so many stories about this because it's so life-changing. And I want us, as we invest in intercession, part of what's gonna happen is that our eyes are gonna be opened to places that God is already at work that we would have totally missed out on. God's at work. The Spirit is at work. Here's what Jesus said. He's at work. You and I don't get to pick where he's at work. You and I don't get to choose. Well, choose that one, God, and not that it doesn't work that way. God's like, I wanna choose everybody. So I wanna send you out. I wanna help you. We experienced this, uh, just, I could go a dozen stories. I'll do one right now. I love this. This is so meaningful to me. Um, this idea of the spirit at work. <clears throat> a number of years ago, around that same time we went to Cancun, we were moving houses from East Richardson. Uh, we were moving when the church was in the leaky building over there on Shoreview. Um, if you remember that building, that was a, a, a building that's now multi-story apartment complexes. But, but Christine and I, we felt like that we were, the Lord was leading us to move, to plant roots right there by the church. So we were doing that. We were trying to sell our house in East Richardson. And <clears throat> we had found a house in Lake Highlands that was on a really good deal. We had some money saved up. So we were like, okay, we can do this a few months where we could pay two mortgages. We'll, we'll buy this house. And then we'll, surely our house in East Richardson will sell. You get where this is going, Right. Uh, so the house in East Richardson, it does not sell. It went under contract like five different times. Five different times, like, oh, this is gonna work out. Five different times, something went wrong. If you ever sold a house before, it's not always easy. It's very discouraging because now you're watching your savings, your hard-earned savings like go down, go down, go down, go down, go down because you're paying for both houses at the same time. Very, very frustrating. Anybody ever had a frustrating financial situation in their life. I'm trying to get a little crowd participation today. We get all hands on that one, right? We can all relate to that one. So I'm like, oh, this is so frustrating. Christina, same way. And we're like, Lord, we felt like you called us to step out in faith and to buy this house and to move. It's a sign of committing to the church, all these things. And it's just not working out. Uh, Christina was frustrated. I was frustrated, like a whole nother level. And I remember in that season, uh, being discouraged, being frustrated. God, why is this happening? And our, something in our old house breaks again, a plumbing deal. 
And I'm like, man, not only am I needing to pay for all this, now I need to pay for the plumbing to be fixed. I don't even think we're living there at that point. It was just maddening. Call a plumber from one of y'all, recommended a plumber we call. He comes out. Christina calls me, and it's like, hey, you need to uh, come because I think God is doing something in this plumber's life. Now, I'm really frustrated And I was like, that is not what I want to hear right now. I want to hear God is doing something by our house selling. That is what I want to hear. You know, but I appreciated my wife's wisdom. So I'm at the house, the plumber is there, and I'm thinking, how can I avoid doing this? I was in a really bad mood uh, about talking to him about the Lord, but He's there. I'm there at the same time. I'm I'm just being very real with you this morning. I was not in a good mood for this. He's there. I also find out he's like very jacked and fit. Not my uh, impression of all plumbers, right? We know the stereotype. But I mean, this guy, and he, he, he's a, a plumber slash CrossFit instructor. Not, not, a, not a super common combination in my experience. And he had that CrossFit mustache. You guys know what I'm talking about. So I'm talking to him, you know, trying to figure out, okay, I'm here. My wife has said, I think God's at work. I, 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 I'm committed. I'm going to bring something up. <clears throat> so he gets in the car. He's leaving. I'm like, hey, man, uh, I, I believe there's a reason that we met today. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And is there any way that I could pray for you? I believe God answers prayer. It's definitely not smooth. I did say those things. And he looked at me, and he was like, actually, Yeah. So he starts to share me some things that are going on. I come to find out later, and this is just amazing to me, I come to find out later that he had been coming out of a really dark season of his life. He had some significant sin struggles that he had been convicted about, but didn't know how to get free or what to do to move on. And he had been thinking, maybe God is an answer. Maybe I need to find out more about God. That's what he was thinking on the way to my house. Christina has no, like, there's not like he said, oh, hey, by the way, on the way over here, I was thinking about the sin that I'm stuck in, and uh, maybe maybe God's in. No, it's just that, that sense sometimes of, I think God may be at work here. So, um, <clears throat> start talking to him, and it turns out, he said he got back in the truck after we talked, and he starts punching his steering wheel. He's so excited. But he's like, I cannot believe I was just thinking on the way here, maybe God could help me. Maybe I need to, like, find out about God. Like, and then someone asked me at a random plumbing job, hey, I think there's a reason that we met today. I believe Jesus loves you. I believe God answers prayer. So we meet, and we go to Good to Go Taco. I don't know if Good to Go Taco is still around, but we go to Good to Go Taco. After that, a week later, and we're going through a basic gospel lesson. God loves you and created you for a relationship with him. Everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin, that falling short, is death. That's the life that we experience, a life marked by sin and death. But God, in his mercy, has made a way for us to be forgiven and experience new life. I'm walking him through basic gospel. And he told me later, he said, I came to that 
And I was like, if I tell you everything that uh, I have done, there is no way that God would accept me. That's what he's thinking coming into the, to the lesson, coming into the meeting. And I remember saying at the end of that time, he hasn't told me, this, I remember saying, one thing, place where people get hung up is they think they need to get clean in order to come to God. But that's not how this works. The gospel is God comes to us in our sin. God comes to us in our shame. God comes to us in our brokenness. And he's the one that cleans us up. He's the one that heals us. He's the one that makes us new. This isn't like you get your act together and then maybe you can come to church with me sometime. This is God has come looking for you. And my buddy afterwards tells me, you won't believe what I was thinking when I came down here. I was thinking, if I told you everything I've done, there's no way this would be for me. And you said, it didn't matter that God came for me anyway. He was mind blown, right? What did we find in the midst of a frustrating situation? It had been so frustrating. Our, our prayer had been, God, would you please bring something good out of this really frustrating situation? That had been our prayer. That was our investment in intercession. Not much. But we were praying that and it did feel like a costly prayer because we were upset. And somehow our plumber, the spirit was already at work in his life, awakening him, proving him wrong, making him think about things like sin, righteousness, judgment. And he shows up and this is what's already on his mind. God was at work in his life. The spirit was at work in his life. And guess what? we would have totally missed it. I got to do his wedding several years later. We would have totally missed the whole journey because Christine and I would have just been caught up in our own life and our own problems and thinking about we need to move and we please fix this plumbing and we would have missed out. But I 100% believe it was those little investments in intercession. God, would you bring something good out of this? that the Holy Spirit was like, yeah, I'm actually gonna show you what good I'm gonna bring out of this. I'm gonna do something in this guy's life and you're gonna be aware, you're gonna pay attention. And that, my friend's life changed, trajectory of his life changed. Not because we like made him sit down on the couch and we did an arm wrestling match to, hey, I'm gonna beat you at arm wrestling and then you're gonna listen to what I have to say. No, I couldn't have beaten him at arm wrestling. He was a CrossFit instructor with that mustache that they all have. Like, I couldn't have done it. But what could I do? <laughs> I could ask him a question at a very pivotal time and find out, wow, God has already been at work in your life. The Spirit has already been at work in your life. So this is my promise to you. Like, I'm willing to make a promise. I know that if we invest in intercession as a church, that you're gonna go to your kid's soccer practice or your workplace or your school or your neighborhood and you're gonna have a little bit different perspective and your eyes are gonna be open to some things where maybe before it's just like, I'm just going about my day, just doing my deal, but now it's like, huh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at people different and I, I promise that as we invest in intercession, we're gonna find the spirit at work in the world around us, in people's lives in surprising ways. How many of you know my faith was built up and I encountered Jesus in a fresh way in the midst of a trial because of what happened with my plumber friend? It's true. And I know I've seen this so many times. I know that if we'll do this, man, there are people all around us 
that God is at work in their lives, and they're looking for someone that could come along and say, hey, you know, I believe there's a reason that we met. I believe there's a reason that I'm sitting in the desk next to you. I believe there's a reason that we work on the same team at work or or we're in the same neighborhood. I believe Jesus loves you. I believe God answers prayer. Hey, would you you want to know more about Jesus? Like Joe was saying last week, do you want want to study the Gospel of John with me? We're studying it. I believe those things are going to happen for us as we invest in intercession because our eyes are going to be open to what God is already doing in people's lives around us. With that, I want to invite you to stand. We're going to do something a little different for our ministry time today. If I get the worship team to come forward. I'm going to pray over us. And uh, I want to encourage all of us to ask God, just as we're here, hey, Lord, would you show me places in my life, relationships and people where you're already at work that I might have missed out on because I'm wrapped up in my own, you know, things going on in my life. Would you guys do that with me? And then as the worship team plays, I just want us to worship and I want us to consider. And if a person comes to mind, I want you to think about adding them to your prayer list that we're gonna invest in our session this fall. If a place comes to mind, your workplace, you know, I want you to add that to your prayer list. I just believe that as we pray into these things, we're gonna see God move in ways that will amaze us. So Jesus, thank you that you uh, love the world. Thank you that your story is not of the world seeking and trying to find you as if you're far away from us all. But our story, Lord, is of you coming for us in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our shame, in the midst of our pride, in the midst of our rebellion, Lord, that you have pursued us. Our story is not of us getting clean and then coming to you, but it's you coming to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that by the Spirit, you are at work in relationships that we already have. You are at work in people who we'd be so surprised to know you're already at work in their lives. People that we would have crossed off, people that we would have ruled out, that you are at work in their lives right now. And that as you're sending us out, Lord, you're not sending us out to convince people, to twist people's arm, to know all the answers, and just have everything all together, Lord, but you are sending us out to see where your spirit is already at work and to come alongside people and encourage and testify and pray and love, Lord. And I pray for our congregation this morning, right now. Lord, would you open our eyes in fresh ways to the people that you've placed in our lives? Maybe people that seem like a burden. Maybe situations that feel like this is so frustrating. The everyday places in our lives, would you open our eyes, Lord, to see where your spirit is at work, where you're drawing people, where you're convicting about sin and righteousness and judgment. 
Just pray all around our church, Lord, that you'd be putting people's faces and names, relationships, just bringing them to mind, Lord. And what we want to do, Lord, is we want to we want to commit to investing in intercession, to praying simple but consistent prayers on behalf of others in the places that you're already at work, Lord. So as people come to mind, I should encourage you to write them down on your phone or in your Bible. Take a note. Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes in fresh ways? Would you help us to see like you see? Jesus, you said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So you said, pray and ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers in the harvest field. Lord, I'm asking that we would see like you see, that we would see white harvest. That we would look at the fields, that we would look at people, that you looked at people and you saw them, Lord, for who they are. Not what label they put on themselves, not what label we might have put on them. You saw them as they are, Lord. Help us to see like you see. And send us out, Lord, to love like you love. Send us out, Lord. As the worship team leads us, let's respond to the Lord.